How did Jesus walk when it came to the word of God? We want to, if we're gonna walk as Jesus walked, we wanna walk like Jesus did when it comes to the word of God. So as a child, Jesus is 12 years old and where he wants to be is church. In essence, he wants to be there. He is listening to the word of God being proclaimed, being spoken, but he's not only listening, he's engaging with it. He's asking questions. And I just love that thought because I have a lot of questions about the word of God. You might have questions too. And I think as I see Jesus asking questions, I feel like I'm in good company. In the face of his greatest trial, he faces it with scripture. He faces it with something that he can hold on to that is certain, that is sure, that is absolute. Jesus faces temptations and trials with scripture. One of my favorite verses about the word of God uh, comes out of Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. says, the, the, the word of God is living and active. It's living and active. You know, it's not just words on a page. When the, when the Holy Spirit comes and breathes his life onto these pages, they will meet you. I, I want you to be loaded up, filled up with the word of God so that you are loaded up to face whatever life throws at you, the giants, the temptations, the trials. I want you to have what it takes in, in, in God's word. And, and I want you to fulfill every ounce of the purpose that God has for your life. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Hosanna. As I said earlier, my name is Julia Holtz. I am one of the pastors. I get to be one of the pastors here, and I am so glad to be with you. I want to say a special welcome to those of you who are joining us online. I know I have a friend from Seattle who's tuning in, as well as people from all over the world, wherever you are. We're glad you're with us. And then also to my friends over at the Shakopee campus, it's always good to be with you. I am so glad we are all together. No matter where you are, we believe the Lord led you here, and he has something for you. And I am so glad you are here. Now, we, as you've been hearing, are in the middle of a series called Walking as Jesus Walked. And, and we're getting feedback from you guys that you are liking this series. There is something about studying the life of Jesus together and applying that to our lives that is shaping us. And so Walking as Jesus Walked, for those of you who have been here for a while, you know that it comes out of this theme verse in 1 John 2, 6. Hopefully some of you have this memorized because we've been saying it every week. But it says this, whoever claims to live in him, to be a Christian, if you claim to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, well, you must walk as Jesus did. Your life should look the way Jesus did when he walked this earth. Not Middle East in his sandals, but the way he lived his life. And I am so excited. I actually feel very privileged to be able to bring you the topic that I am bringing today. Some of you know, if you were here about a month ago, I was up and I, I, I talked about how Jesus lived a life dependent on the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that? And we talked about the Holy Spirit. And I challenged you. I asked, do you know the Holy Spirit the way the disciples knew Jesus. That's how real the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the presence of Jesus in us is. And we can know him. So we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about Jesus through this whole series. Guess what I get to talk about today? Today I get to talk about the Father. Jesus' relationship with the Heavenly Father. So you could say I'm the one that gets to round out what we call in the church the Trinity the Trinity, this is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
And, and I'll, I'll admit, this concept of the Trinity, it's, it's cosmic. It is mysterious. It is way beyond our comprehension. I can remember in seminary spending classes upon classes trying to dissect this, and we never really quite figured it out. But here's what we know. We know that we believe in one God. We follow one God. And yet the Trinity gives us a picture of the multiple dimensions of God, of who God is. And as we begin to know these different dimensions, and I will say Hosanna is a place that brings this to life. It has for me. We're all about Jesus. We are all about Jesus. And we also are about the Holy Spirit and the Father. And as, as we begin to embrace this, to, to look at the different aspects of who God is and have a relationship, we begin to discover the fullness of who God is. And we also begin to discover more about ourselves as well. So I am so excited to talk about the Father today. Now let me tell you where we're getting this from. For those of you who've been here, you know we've been looking at the foundational principles that Jesus prioritized in his life. And, and we have, we've got this, this acronym, Holy Spirit Power. Power is the acronym. And it stands for, I already mentioned, Holy Spirit dependence. Jesus lived a life dependent on the Holy Spirit, and we can too. Jesus also prioritized prayer. This is part of his walking, and we can too. He prioritized obedient living. He lived a life obedient to whatever God asked him to do, even going to the cross. And Jesus, as we heard from Ryan and Jen last week, he was word-centered, he, he, he took the scriptures seriously and he applied them to his life, and we can do that too. But today, what we're talking about is the E, exalting the Father. Exalting the Father. Jesus lived a life exalting the Father. Okay, now what does that mean? <laughs> exalting, it's kind of a churchy word. And this is where sometimes acronyms don't live up to what we need them to be. I'd rather just have the word Father in there, but... Holy Spirit Pulfer just doesn't work as well. So our Bible study had exalting the Father. And let me just describe to you what this means. Jesus' whole life was about lifting the Father, was about people seeing who the Father was, this good and loving Father. He wanted his life to show it. He wanted his words to show it. Lifting God the Father above everything else, even above himself. He wanted the world to see the Father. And he even said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because the way he lived was the way the Father would have wanted him to live. And then he showed us how to have a relationship with the Father. With this mysterious being that you can't see all the time. And then obviously when he died on the cross, he made a way for us to have a relationship with the Father. Uh, let me just show you some interesting facts that I found. Um, Jesus talked about a lot of things. We read about them in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four books of the Bible that tell the stories of Jesus. And so we know he talked about a lot of things. I want to show you that we believe he talked about the Father perhaps more than anything else. We know he talked about love, right? Jesus talked about loving your neighbor and loving God and loving your enemies. He talked about all these different things. He used the word love about 43 times in the Gospels. That's where it's being used, about 43 times. That's good, about 10 every book. He also talked about the kingdom, didn't he? 
We talk about this at Hosanna. Jesus came and he began preaching the kingdom of God. He began talking about the ways of God. Kingdom was used about 119 times in the Gospels. But Father, listen to this, are you ready for this? This word Father, about the Father, prayers to the Father, where others could hear, was used 212 times. The Father was important to Jesus. And he wanted the world to know this good Father. Now I know when I say that, I just need to acknowledge what might be going on with those of you who are listening to me. I know that not everyone has had a good relationship with your earthly father. And that impacts how we can see the father. Some of you have. Some of you have had great relationships with your dad. And I want to encourage you, if you can, to go home and call him and say thank you. But others of you, we know this, that there are painful relationships. And the word father is even hard to say. Maybe your father was absent. Maybe you didn't know your father. Maybe your father was distant. Maybe your father was very demanding and you have been living a life trying to live up to his expectations. Maybe you've never heard your father say the words, I love you. If that's you, first of all, I want to just say to you, you're not alone. And I want to encourage you this morning. You are not alone. We just finished this weekend what we call our Restore Workshop. It is a whole workshop on freedom and becoming all we were created to be, looking at the things that hold us back. I hope every one of you will be able to do this workshop sometime because it is so powerful. But through this whole workshop, one of the things we emphasize most is this Heavenly Father who loves us. Because we know that once we begin to see that and overcome what maybe the earthly fathers have done, we discover a whole new freedom. So you are not alone and there is great hope. And this is the bottom line of my message today. Jesus came to show us that this God is not a distant, absent, finger-waving, demanding, never-live-up-to-his-expectations God. This God is, is a Father who loves us, who, who wants to be in a relationship with us, who wants to be close to us. And let me tell you this, that if you can begin to engage with God the Father in this way, we have seen it and we believe it, that it will bring you more peace, it will bring you more confidence, it will bring you more freedom, and it will bring you more joy. Who wants more of that in their life? I know I do. I do. Peace, confidence, freedom, and joy. Those are all things that come as we begin to discover the love of the Father. That's the bottom line today, so stick with me on this topic. So how are we going to do it? We're going to look today at a passage in the Bible. It is uh, from the book of John, chapter 5. If you have the Sanctuary Bibles, we're going to look at page 640. So John, chapter 5, where Jesus talks about his relationship with the Father. It's a short passage. Now, as always, what I want to do first is, is give you the context. It's very important to not just pluck scriptures out on their own, but to see the story that's around them because it gives you much more understanding. So let me tell you the story of what's going on before Jesus says the things that he says. So right before this, Jesus has seen a man who's been lame for 38 years, and he heals him miraculously. 
He goes to the man and he says, do you want to be healed? And, and the man says yes, and he has excuses for why it hasn't happened. And then Jesus says, well, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. That's simple. The authority of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the man does it. He is miraculously healed in that moment. These things still happen today, but a profound moment. And so the man picks up his mat, and he begins walking, and he goes out into the town. Well, all of a sudden, some religious leaders see him. And guess what? It happens to be the Sabbath. And there's some rules about the Sabbath. And so these religious leaders go to him, and they say, the law says you're not supposed to work. You should not be carrying your mat right now. Okay, we just need to think about that for a minute. <laughs> and they, but they start putting the rules on him. And he said, the man that healed me told me to carry my mat. Well, they finally figure out that the man who healed him was Jesus. And so these religious leaders go to Jesus, and the Bible says they start harassing him. They're mad. What do you mean you're telling him to carry his mat? Jesus, you're not following the rules. You're not behaving the way you're supposed to. Okay, can we just think about this for a minute? There was just a miracle. This man had been paralyzed for 38 years. And Jesus, through his love and his power, was able to, to heal him. And yet these religious leaders are worried about the rules. Can I just say to you, I am, I'm so sorry on behalf of the church. Not, not Hosanna, the church worldwide, all of us. When we have reduced this faith to being about rules or to being about behavior modification instead of being about a relationship with an incredible God, a Father who loves us. So this is the mindset of the religious leaders. It's about the rules. It's about a scary God. This is what their faith was based on. So Jesus is going to try and reshape their framework. Let's take a look at what he says. Jesus says this, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. And I just want to stop there. I was talking to Pastor Chris this week, and I, we were talking about this, and, and I thought he just gave a great idea. He said, Julia, it's like a piano who says I can't do anything without the player. I love that picture. Jesus was serious. He can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. For just as the father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the son gives life to anyone he wants. Let me unpack this a little bit because Jesus is saying some profound things. I encourage you to read this on your own this week. See what else Jesus wants to say to you through it. But you noticed I highlighted a couple of words. I highlighted that Jesus sees the Father. We'll talk about that. Jesus also knew that the Father loved him. And he said that you will be astonished when you see these things. I believe that these are some of the concepts, and I'm going to take them and show you this is how we can begin to exalt the Father. If we, if we want to walk as Jesus walked, then Jesus lived a life lifting the Father, and we need to learn how to do that too. So I'm going to give you three suggestions that if we begin to apply these things, 
we will begin to walk as Jesus walked. Here's the first one. Here's what we know. Jesus knew the Father. Knew the Father personally. He didn't just know about the Father, have all this head knowledge of facts. No, he knew the Father. He knew the Father's Father was his presence. He knew the Father was good, that the Father was perfect, that the Father was loving, and that the Father was someone he could trust. And he knew that the Father loved him. This shaped his whole identity. He was not just the Son of God, as if that wasn't enough. He was the deeply loved Son of God. And he had a relationship with a heavenly Father that was the most important thing in his life. And he knew him personally. I was thinking about this, and, and I was remembering some, a memory that I have of my dad. Um, when I was little, I grew up in Wisconsin, and I had a family of where there were five kids. We did not get much time alone with my dad. Um, there was a lot of us running around. He worked full time. But every summer, we got to take a trip up to God's country. We went to Mercer, Wisconsin. And we went to this little cabin on Big Martha Lake. And I have incredibly fond memories of going to this cabin and all of us being together. But here was the highlight of the trip for me every year. Each of us got one morning to go fishing with Dad. I was the fourth daughter, so I usually got Thursdays. And I can remember I couldn't wait for this day. And so I'd be anticipating it, and it was my time with Dad. My, I would just chew my little brother out the night before. I know you get up early, but don't you get up earlier than us. I want this time. I own this time. And so Dad and I would get up. We'd be whispering. That was kind of the fun. We'd be eating our cereal, and the crunching sounded really loud, and we didn't want to wake anybody. We'd go down to the lake. We'd get in this metal rowboat, no outboard motor originally, and he would row me around that lake. <laughs> And we would go out and we would go fishing. And, and I was the one, yes, even at a young age, I put the worms on the hook. He taught me how to do that. And, and he would tell me stories. My dad tells jokes like no one else in the world. If he were standing here, he'd say, do you know the one about the preacher? You know, that's just who my dad is. He's got a joke for everything. But he would tell me stories and he would listen to me. And, and it was at that time that I just knew, my dad knew me. And he wanted to spend time with me, and he loved me. Now, my dad, he's not perfect, and neither am I. But it gives us a glimpse of what Jesus wanted us to know about the Heavenly Father. That he's not a cold, distant God. He's a Father who wants to spend time with us, who wants to be with us, wants to be in a relationship with us, and loves us. As his children. I talked about peace and confidence. I think this is the very root of it. Is that as we begin to know ourselves. Not for what we're doing. So often Christianity is reduced to what are we doing for God. It has to start with knowing who we are with God. And to God. Jesus spent the first two and a half years of his ministry talking to his disciples all about who God was and how God loved them way before he asked them to do anything. So I have to ask you, if you want to walk as Jesus walked, do you know the Father like this? Do you know God the Father loves you? Is this part of your identity? Is this your core of your identity? 
that you are a deeply loved child of God. And you have a God who's for you and loves you and loves to be with you. That is the first step to exalting the Father. Let's take a look at the second one. It is this, as I get to my right page. Jesus not only knew the Father, but he recognized the Father's goodness. He recognized the Father's goodness around him. Jesus knew that God was the source of anything good. And so as, as he lived on this earth, he was looking for where God was already working. What is God up to? Where is the goodness? He watched and recognized he could see the goodness of God. And then on top of that, he knew that anything good, he did nothing by himself, so anything good came from God, and he turned around and he gave God the glory for it. He gave God the recognition for it. This was huge. See, it wasn't about Jesus' accomplishments, about his performance. It was all about God. And he turned around and he gave the credit to God. He walked in humility. It wasn't about him. It was about God the Father. This is where I believe real freedom comes. Because as we begin to live a life in this very performance-oriented culture that we're in, that's not about our performing and, and what we're doing, but it's about God. It's not about us. Can I just very gently say to you, it's not about you. <laughs> Can you turn to the person next to you and say, it's not about you? Turn and tell them that. Some of you have been waiting some of you have been waiting your entire marriage to tell your spouse that, haven't you? <laughs> well, guess what? It's not about you either. This is a, an attitude shift where, where we begin to live in a way and it lightens us up where we're not performing for others. We're living and we're, point, we're living for God. I was talking to Jen Alexander this week and, and we were talking about this and she can, Jen has performed her whole life, but she can remember how heavy her own glory was. And when she became, went into a relationship with Jesus Christ and began to discover that it wasn't for her glory, it was for God's glory, she said it lifted everything off of her. Who are you living for? Do you recognize God's goodness around you, but do you also recognize it through you? Dan Spader, he wrote our Bible study, Walking as Jesus Walked, that's going with this uh, series. I've heard that a thousand of you have bought this book. I am thrilled that you are getting into this and going deeper. If you haven't yet, you can still get more. Jacoby will send some out to you. But get into this. It gets you into the scriptures and it gets you into walking as Jesus walked. But Dan, Dan wrote this. He was talking about when he starts to live a life that's about himself and what that feels like. And he said this, life becomes about my performance or lack of it. If I fail to meet my own or others' expectations, I become discouraged and wear myself out and trying, out trying to perform as well as I feel I should. I wonder if how many of you feel that way right now. You're worn out. You've been trying so hard to achieve and to get, get the recognition at work or wherever. It's exhausting. But listen to what he says next. He says this. When, by contrast, we exalt the Father as the source of all the good we do, we live in genuine humility and peace comes our way. It's not about us, but about him. When you go to work tomorrow, are you going and thinking, okay, what do I need to do to prove to my boss, to, to prove to my clients, uh, to, uh, what do I need to do to achieve? 
Or are you going in and saying, God, where are you already working here? God's working all over. Where are you already working and how can I join you? God, will you work your goodness through me? It's not about me, God. It's about you. Let me start to live that way. Maybe this is a, a great picture that will help you. Um, when you achieve something, do you point to yourself or do you point to God? Think about the football players who make a touchdown, right? Are you more like this Seattle Seahawks player who's kind of dabbing and pointing to himself? It's all about him. Or are you like this Green Bay Packer who, when he achieves a touchdown, gets down on his knees, right? <laughs> it has been so nice knowing you. I doubt they're going to let me up here again between Ryan and his Seattle Seahawks. I've also offended every Viking. I said I was from Wisconsin, so that's all I have to say about that. Okay, let's move on. You get the picture. Is it about you is your, is, or is it about God? Jesus lived a life where he just, it was all about others. It was all about God, okay? So this is our third one. As he did it, he didn't just do it in his own head. He didn't just recognize the Father's goodness. He also always was pointing others to the Father. He was always pointing others to the Father. His life, his actions, his words, everything was about pointing everyone to the Father. And then you see the disciples later on in the book of Acts. This is after Jesus has died and he rose again. And the disciples get it. They are pointing everyone to Jesus and the Father. The disciples will go and they'll have miraculous healings as the Holy Spirit works through them. And people will come running and they'll say, why are you surprised? It's not us. This is what happens through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. They would reach out and they would touch people and care for people who no one else would touch. And they'd say, this is through the love of Jesus Christ. James, one of the disciples, later on wrote this in a letter. He said, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. They knew it. Anything good was not about them. It was the joy of knowing the Father working through them, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. If we want to walk like Jesus walked. This is what it looks like. It, it's not as clear. It, it, it's, you know, we can talk about reading the, and studying the Bible. We can talk about praying. This is more of, a, of an attitude shift, a lifestyle shift, where we start to live a life where we're looking for God's goodness. We know him. We're looking for him. We're joining him, and we're pointing others to him. Now, I was trying to think of an example because sometimes, you guys, this can look a little fake. Have you ever done that where you've gone up to somebody and you've complimented them and they go, oh, it's not me, it's Jesus. <laughs> and, and I don't know, sometimes that can just sound a little shallow, like, oh, okay, well, I don't quite know what to say to that. And so what does this look like to just be natural and, and to exalt the Father in this way without preaching at people? And I prayed and I said, God, will you show me? And, and he brought to mind someone extremely special to me. He brought to mind my mom. I want to show you a picture. This is my mother and me just a couple of weeks ago. She is just, I just adore her. And, and my mom had a way of doing this. I, I didn't realize it until this. She just knew God. She knew that everything, she knew that everything good came from him. And, and she was very humble, and she would talk about God in a way that was just infectious. I'd come home from school, and she'd say, Julia, do you know what God did today? 
And then she would just start telling me about something good. Or, Julia, God is so funny. I heard her say that so often. You've got to hear what God did. Never felt like she was preaching. Just felt like she, this is just what she saw. It was just a way of talking. I thought this was normal. I thought everybody did this. I am realizing it wasn't, but I will tell you, it shaped me profoundly. I just began to look for God. And, and when good things happened, I would I'd go, oh, that's God. And so when I raised my daughters, I wanted them to know the same thing. I wanted them to know that the goodness of God is all around us. In fact, I figured out the other day, my youngest is about to graduate from high school. Yes, you can walk with me through that. I'm, I'm working through that. But I realized I have made lunches for my girls for their whole you know, school career. So I think I figured out I've made about 2,500 lunches over their lifetime. Every time I put a little note in their lunch, something silly, something just have a good day, whatever. And I always signed it in the same way. I always signed it, I love you, WFJ, mom. My girls knew this was code for watch for Jesus. Watch for Jesus. I wanted them to look for him, to not be caught up looking at the ground and the circumstances, but to have their eyes open because God's moving all the time. And I wanted them to recognize his presence and to watch for him and then join him in it. And I have to tell you, I talked about joy. I experienced joy a couple weeks ago. My, my daughter Maddie called. She had a really tough day. This wasn't where the joy came from. She's at the University of Minnesota, and she just had a hard day. Some classes were, were just, there was some stuff that went on, and we talked about it, and I prayed for her. The next day, I was at work, and she started calling me, and, and I, I couldn't get to it because I was in meetings, and finally, at the end of the day, I called her. I thought, maybe there's an emergency, and she said, Mom, I'm so sorry that I've been bothering you, but I just have to tell you how good God is. You will not believe what he's done in response to just what we prayed yesterday. I will tell you as a mom, there was such a joy that as I see my children knowing and recognizing the goodness of God and exalting him and seeing him in their lives. There's nothing better. This is what happens. This is the joy that happens when we point to the Father's love and other people start to see it. Now, some of you might be thinking, I didn't have a mom like Julia, and that's why Julia's up here. Can I just cut right to the chase here? If that's you, it's not too late. Some of the most powerful people in the kingdom are people who have an awakening and go, oh my goodness, this is God's goodness around me. And so it's not too late. Ask God to sh open your eyes and show you his goodness and start recognizing it and giving him the credit. If there's something good in your life and there's something good every day, I know people are in hard circumstances. It is from God. And he is saying, I love you, I'm with you, I'm for you, you're my child. And then we turn around and we praise him, we thank him, and we point others to him. This is what it means to exalt the Father. Jesus lived his whole life lifting up the Father way beyond himself. Wanted the world to know the Father. Do you know the Father? I want you to. Ask him to show you who he is. Do you recognize the Father's goodness? And let's start naturally 
infectiously pointing the world to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are a good and perfect Father. Thank you that there isn't anyone here that you do not love, that you love every person hearing my voice. And Jesus, thank you for coming, that we are accepted right as we are at. No more achieving and performing and trying to outdo what we've done before. Lord, help us to grasp this. This is a a big concept, but I'm asking you to speak personally to each one. And Lord, for those who have had a painful father relationship with their earthly father, God, I'm asking even today and in the weeks to come that you will tenderly replace those images of a father with true images of you. Will you tenderly show them your love and what you always intended a father to look like? But God, teach us, show us, help us to know you, help us to see you, And then, Lord, help us to go out and point you out to the world because we want everyone to know what a good, good father you are. Thank you, Father. We love you, and we know we are loved. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Will you please stand at both campuses for a final blessing? I just want to remind you that we have prayer ministers up front and back in the prayer chapel. And and this is a topic that can trigger some thoughts, even some pain. I just want to let you know that they would love to pray for you. There is so much more to God, and he wants you to know him. Don't let the other things stand in the way. Will you receive this blessing? May our Father who loves you May you know him even more this week. May you see his goodness in your days and know that that's him at work in your life. And may you go out and just naturally point people to him. And may the world never be the same. May the world know our good, good father through you. I pray this all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have an awesome week. We will see you next week.